In this podcast, we're going to talk about people pleasing and how this impacts your ability to lead your team effectively. While this is a challenge for leaders across the ranks, I notice that a lot of new managers struggle with this in particular because as a people pleaser, when you're in an icy role, you basically have to please your boss, mostly, also your coworkers, but mostly your boss. Then in a leadership role, you all of a sudden realize that you now focus not only on pleasing your boss, your peers, but also, and most of all, all your team members. And that can quickly lead into overwhelm and exhaustion. So in this episode, we're not only going to talk about the benefits of being a people pleaser, as well as the negative impact on leadership. I'm also going to share five specific tips and mindset shifts that will allow you to be more assertive, direct, and candid, which will support you in your leadership role. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. People-pleasing tendencies can really get in the way of their effectiveness as a leader. Now, before we dive in, let's quickly define what we mean with people-pleasing. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a people pleaser is a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of their own needs or desires. So at the core of this is this really strong desire to be liked by other people and the fear of not being liked. And it is that in combination with then sacrificing themselves. So when we look at the side effects and the reasons why this is an issue, because the fear of not being liked, it's kind of a human need, right? We, we need to belong. This desire for belonging is actually a survival instinct. So wanting to be liked is part of wanting to belong. But the real trigger here or the real issue or challenge with people pleasing is that it comes at our own sacrifice. So self-sacrificing, then feeling overwhelmed as a result of that. Oftentimes people say to me, I just feel exhausted. I feel pulled into too many directions. And as a result, uh, I dropped the ball or I missed deadlines and I can't really fulfill and meet the commitments that I have made. And being in that state can feel very depleting and quickly lead to burnout or just exhaustion, stress, or then people saying, I have enough. I don't want to lead anymore or I don't want to do this job anymore. I am out. I need a break. And while walking away, maybe a solution in the moment to recover from exhaustion, it's a short-term solution because the underlying problem of being a people pleaser and then sacrificing your own needs will sooner or later come back up again. When I talk to people who are in these situations, they often share that they know that they've been doing this for a long time, that they've 
been burning themselves out before. So addressing the issue at its root is really important to create sustainable change. Now, of course, doing that requires a lot more than just listening to a podcast. So if you notice in this podcast, oh, interesting, some of the things that I'm hearing here really resonate. And I notice how I may have some people-pleasing tendencies even if you don't identify as a people pleaser, then looking into the impact this has on your life, your mental, emotional, and even physical well-being will be really important. And if that tendency, that people pleasing tendency or these behaviors come at a cost, I highly suggest you get yourself a coach who not only addresses the tactical things and how to say no and how to change and how to delegate more, but really helps you understand the patterns and the root cause of what's driving these behaviors and what makes you sacrifice yourself in the process. So that said, let's look at this through the lens of leadership. When we see people-pleasing leaders, we often appreciate them for so many strengths. For example, people-pleasers generally really value people. They advocate greatly on behalf of other people. They facilitate connections. They understand and are interested in other people's feelings and needs. They're really curious and they want to do the best to address these needs They have a very positive attitude in general and are really helpful. They're often seen as great team players. On the other side, though, when we look at the negative behaviors that are visible, not even addressing what's underneath the whole stress and overwhelm, right? That a lot of people that we only interact with, maybe through a Zoom call, they don't actually see what it feels like at the end of the day. But the negative behaviors that we can observe from people pleasers in leadership roles are the following. They often don't delegate enough because they worry that they burden other people which then may mean that these other people don't like them so they'd rather just take things on themselves they may also help and step in too much when they see someone struggle so if an employee comes to them and says I'm really struggling with this one task or I'm having a hard time with the different priorities and getting it all done A people pleaser may quickly step in and say, okay, let me finish this up. Let me take care of all these things. And now they're adding all these other things to their to-do list when they're also already over capacity, right? But in an effort with the intention to appease the other person and make it easier on them, and sometimes even in the name of servant leadership, they will immediately step in instead of letting their team member find solutions and renegotiate agreements and work through the struggle and for the leader to be a support person on the sideline the people pleasing leader would quickly step in and take stuff back on even if they're struggling as much or even more than the team member We can also see that people pleasers tend to sugarcoat feedback. They tend to avoid difficult conversations because being giving tough feedback, for example, or addressing a conflict heads on could lead to negative emotions on the other side. And the people pleasers would want to avoid that. Do not do things that will create negative emotional reactions in other people is their main message or the main thought in their head. So sugarcoating feedback, not encouraging accountability, uh, tolerating bad performance, letting things slip are common signs of people pleasers. 
they may also become resentful in the process because with this self-sacrificing, there's the aspect of, oh, I'm resentful for me even doing this and why do I step in all the time? So self-critical or then also being resentful to other people or people that we think aren't carrying their load and we're always picking up their slack or the boss who keeps stumping all this work on them. And they're not managing up. They're not saying no. So they keep saying yes, but then they feel resentful towards the manager. And resentfulness is something that, of course, stirs up a lot of negative emotions and doesn't make us feel good. But it also leads to poor decision making. And that will negatively impact your leadership competence. So the picture we just painted is that there are clearly sort of the inner feelings, what's going on below the surface, which is overwhelm, exhaustion, resentment, uh, the sense of self-sacrificing. And then on top of the surface, the things that are visible to others is the lack of delegation, stepping in and supporting others too much, not having the tough conversations, not being candid with feedback tolerating bad performance and letting things slip, as well as poor decision making as a result of resentment that's underlying and that's underneath that and it's bubbling up. Clearly, the price you pay as a people leaser in terms of your leadership effectiveness is pretty steep, which is why I said this is an oxymoron. Being a people pleaser and being a leader don't quite go well together. Right? You can hold a leadership role, not actually leading if you're a people pleaser. So if you can relate to what I just shared with you here and you wonder how much of these people pleasing tendencies that you have, then reflect on the following few questions. It's a bit of a self-assessment, but really your reflection on this will help you uncover on how far down the road you are. Do you have a healthy amount of care for being liked? Or do you notice that you're actually starting to pay a price because you're sacrificing yourself just so that you are being liked or to avoid any risk of potentially not being liked by others? Number one, do you find it hard to say no to people? Do you struggle to meet everyone's needs all the time? How do you feel when you upset or disappoint someone? How do you handle difficult performance discussions with your direct reports? Do your own needs go unmet and why? And lastly, is it difficult for you to ask other people to help you or to take on a tough assignment? If you said yes to many of these questions or the things that come up as you think about this, paint the picture of you likely having some of these people-pleasing tendencies, then again, I highly, highly encourage you to address this because the further up you go in your career, the broader and bigger the scope of your responsibilities, not just from a workload perspective, but also the number of people that are going to have requests for you, that are going to ask for your time and for your help and for your mentoring and for your input the more this will become a struggle. And so if you want to maintain sanity and physical, mental, emotional well-being, and in addition to achieving career success, it also matters to you that you physically feel well, that you have good mental and emotional health in the process and don't constantly feel exhausted and stressed out and overwhelmed and resentful, 
then addressing these underlying needs will be the only way to go. Now, because I don't want to just leave you with this and say, okay, go figure it out, get a coach, (laughs) speak with me privately. I also want to give you some specific tips. So what can you do right away? And what can you start thinking about to make some shifts in the right direction? The first suggestion I have is that you start to think about how much you care about liking yourself, liking others, and others liking you. These are three different things. Now, the first two, how much we like ourselves and cultivating a really good relationship with ourselves, which is, by the way, the most important relationship you have, is number one, totally within your control. Number two, how much you like others, also totally within your control. There's this practice of contemplating the positive things about other people. It's just to be in a meeting, for example, in a Zoom meeting or observing people or sitting at the dinner table, looking at your partner or your kids and contemplate all the things that you love about them or you like about them or appreciate about them. 100% within your control. The last part though, how much other people like you, not within your control. But if the first two are in order, you have a really good relationship with yourself, you honor yourself, you like yourself, and then two, you like other people and you therefore treat them that way because you like them, that will drastically increase the chances that other people will like you. So shift your attention and your focus to the first two. Start to think more positively about yourself, develop greater self-compassion, and then start thinking more positively about other people and drop the considerations and concerns about other people liking you. We all, whether people please it or not, spend way too much time thinking about other people liking us and then adjusting and adapting to what we think would make them like us more, which is kind of silly because when we start to be inauthentic and do things that are not true to ourselves, then other people actually like this fake person, this person that we made up, these behaviors are not even true to us. And by all means, I'm not perfect at this either. It's just, it's part of the process. But the initial shift that I'm asking you to make here is to start focusing a lot more of your attention on how much you like you and how much you like others. And then as much as possible, let go of any thoughts and worries about other people. With that said, something else that really helps me is adapting this belief, meaning really cultivating the belief and keep thinking this over and over, that, you know, 50% like me and 50% of people don't like me. And that's just the way life is. And that is okay. So if someone doesn't like me or doesn't like the way I write an email or I say something or my accent or the way I show up or what I say, It doesn't mean much because I'm just thinking, well, you're one of the 50% who doesn't like me. And that is life. And then there are other 50% of people who do like me and do appreciate this. And that's just, that's fact. That's it. Same as I think their 50% of me is great and 50% of me is a hot mess. So when someone criticizes me on something or gives me feedback, I just look at it as like, yeah, that's the 50% of me. That's the mess, right? And then I try to elevate and grow, of course, but it doesn't feel like I'm not good enough because I work with the assumption that 50% of people like me, 50% don't like me. That's it. And then 50% of me is great and I'm a rock star. 50% of me, I'm a total mess. And that's it. 
And that belief helps me not to focus too much on what other people say or think or how they feel about what I do. It's a pretty liberating feeling, to be honest. So that is my suggestion number one. The second suggestion is to realize and really embrace the fact that you are not responsible for anyone else's emotions. Our emotions are triggered by our thoughts and our interpretations of things, which means whatever you think about what's happening, the facts, the circumstances, is what's creating your emotions. And the same is true for anyone else. Whatever they make it mean, the stories they tell themselves about what you said or what is happening is what's creating their emotions. You are not responsible for someone else's emotions. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't care. In fact, I say be responsive, not responsible for other people's emotions. So being responsive to what they're feeling will allow you to step into compassion and say, this is hard, I get it, I understand, this may be difficult to hear, and I understand that's not what you were hoping for. And I can imagine this may be upsetting. I can imagine this may feel frustrating. You're being responsive to their emotion. When they get angry, you can say, hey, I see this is difficult, right? You're giving them the space to have their emotional reaction. You're being compassionate in the process and responsive to their emotions. But you are not responsible to very different things. Now, the third suggestion that's a little bit more tactical is to actually start saying no and to be more candid in your decisions and in your communication. So when it comes to saying no, if this is something that you're struggling with, the very first suggestion I have is to delay your response. So if instead of saying no, where you used to say yes, simply say, okay, let me think about it. And then go back and actually, not based on our emotional reaction, but actually Think about what you want to do here. You can always go back and say yes. You could go back and say no. Or you can go back and you can negotiate how much or by when you're doing this task. Paula Cookson wrote a book called The Liberated Self, A People-Pleaser's Guide to Better Relationships. And in that book, she shares a few questions that you should ask yourself before you say yes to a new task. And, and I really like these questions. Here are some that I find most useful. First, ask yourself, are there others who could do this task as well? Second, do I have time to do this task? Third, do I actually have an interest? Do I want to do this task? Fourth, do I have the energy to do this task? Five, do I feel pressured? A fear of angering or disappointing someone else? And that may be influencing my decision here. And lastly, will I resent myself or others if I say yes to taking on this task? I will include these six questions in the show notes, including the link to the book. I think these are great questions to ask yourself before you say yes to a new task. The second part of this suggestion is to be candid. So when you notice that you're about to sugarcoat a message, simply pause for a second. 
Remember, I am not responsible for another person's reaction. And your responsibility as a leader is not to make your team members happy. That is not your job. Your job is to make them feel valued, respected, energized, and supported. For you to give candid feedback, have tough conversations, or share difficult news is the respectful thing to do. It shows that you're treating them as a mature adult who can handle their emotions, but who deserve to hear the truth. That is your job as a leader. It is not to make them happy. Practicing this candidness and embracing the fact that being kind and respectful and being candid, they kind of go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. Being candid doesn't mean you're mean and can't be kind. Instead, being kind, being respectful, and being candid go hand in hand. So with that said, I know this was a bit of a heavy topic, but it's an important topic. And I see people-pleasing tendencies get in the way so often of leaders really reaching their full potential, stepping up and freeing themselves and getting themselves ready for that next level in their careers. So if this episode resonated with you, I really encourage you to think about the price that you pay in an effort to be more liked. Answer those self-reflective questions that I pose and observe yourself this coming week, the next seven days. How do you respond to people who ask for your help? Or how do you respond when you have to share something or say something that may create a negative emotion for the other person? If you do want to get deeper help with this and actually solve this at the root, then head on over to RamonaShaw.com forward slash apply to schedule a call and we could talk about your particular situation and what that would look like. I hope you found this helpful. If you have any questions or comments or you know someone else who is a people pleaser and identifies as a people pleaser, who is a people pleaser and knows so and they may benefit from hearing this episode as well, please share it along. That would be greatly appreciated. And with that, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.